Welcome, everybody, to the Digital Nomad Experts podcast by Beach Commute. We've got Jeff and Marissa here today, and we are going to do something we haven't done in a while. It's rapid-fire questions from the audience. So you guys write in really good stuff at hello at beachcommute.com. We get a lot of good suggestions for podcasts. We also get a lot of random questions about travel, about jobs, about uh, being a digital nomad in general. So when you send these in, they don't get ignored. We put them like in our notepad and really organized in my notepad. And- <laughs> I do everything by my notes. They're organized. <laughs> Mine are not organized. They exist. They're on the computer. <laughs> we'll take Transferring them over from the old MacBook to the new MacBook. So I've got like simultaneous. I look uh, like a day trader here. I've got simultaneous laptops open and all over the place. <laughs> so. But uh, we keep them all. And what we do is Marissa and I will not look at the ones that we've kept. And we will ask the other person the question. So she, when I ask Marissa a question, she has no idea what's coming. And she has to answer it on the fly without preparation. I don't know why we do it this way. It sounded <laughs> fun the first time. And we just kept doing it. Is, I, I don't know. know. Maybe that, maybe that's how I ended up. I just sounded like a fun I thing know, to I do. I feel like, I don't know why now that you say it. Like, we certainly could prepare. But I feel like it gives it the real on-the-fly gut answers, not like, oh, let me think about it and research. It's like, I feel like these these are the real truths that, that come out when we do it this way. And it gives it some fun little kind of like extra sass to it, which we love. <laughs> yeah, nothing's particularly rehearsed on the show anyways. Like it is kind of just candid. So like this is just in keeping with that tradition, I guess. So I don't know. Yes. But you guys vote with your, uh, you all vote with your listens. And these ones tend to do very well. So we listen to that. We look at the numbers and we do a lot of things driven based on what you guys like the most. So this is just yeah. one of them. All right. So with that. Yeah, well. I don't know. Maybe. How are you doing? <laughs> What's going on? Just jump right in. Let's We're just <laughs> jumping in. I'm okay. I think last episode we recorded, I was sick with a really bad cough. I am still sick. This is like the, the sickness that never ends. There's like a three and a half week bug going around. So you might hear my voice is a little off or coughing. I'm okay. I'm still here to, to answer questions. We got this. I'm excited. But um, yeah, still just... Home for home for the holidays before heading back to Costa Rica in January. So, yeah, that's where I'm at. Uh, yeah, how long in Costa Rica are you gonna be? Um, I'll be there. Yeah, one month minimum, and maybe yeah, maybe maybe longer, maybe shorter. I haven't booked as as we you know really do promise here on Beach Commute. I haven't decided on a return date or ticket or time or place or anything. So I know I'm going to the beginning of January, and then we'll see what unfolds from there. But yeah, I would say minimum of a month. You no, know, I'm just I was kind of reflecting yesterday. I don't think I've done a beach location oh since. 2020 what maybe my, my heart my heart hurts uh i mean i went to the beach in barcelona does that count mm, does not count no does it? no that doesn't it's count beachy, no. but so, it's not like a tropical no. like everything revolves around beach 21 i don't where was the last place you were honestly i think it was Sewateneo in 2020 oh, oh my gosh Jeff. i know I know. Are you, are you getting back? Yeah. You still don't have plans to get to the beach, do you? No, I still don't. Is Buenos Aires near a beach? Yes, but it's still also. I, it's like it's I feel like that's like city first, not like mm-hmm. beach town nomad life. You know. Yeah, I think I feel like I'm due. I feel like I do wow. want that again, and maybe it's just because it's fucking cold, <laughs> and I'm not happy like with cold toes. So it, it, 
might change once I get into Buenos Aires or right, better right. Day, but, I'm fine again. But, uh, oh, there's something about the vibe to it that I do yeah. kind of miss. Yeah. I wonder what our audience thinks. I wonder if they're more city people or beach people. Ooh. I got a feeling they're more beach people. Let's put a poll. Can't we do a poll? At least on the Spotify ones. Let's add a poll. Are you a beach person or are you a city city or beach? I mean, there's lots of other options too. But I guess if you had to choose between city or beach, we want to know which you would choose. <laughs> I'll put it like, so yeah, open up on Spotify and then just right below, there's a little poll there. Hit city or beach. I'm really curious. I am too. Yeah, let us know. Super excited to see. So with that, so we've got, you're, you're also back home for the holidays, heading back to Colombia and then Argentina and then Mexico, but not to the beach. <laughs> Is your kind of beginning of the yearish plans? That's and, it. Um, That's gonna take me through, I think March or so, um, wow. which is well ahead of my usual planning. planning. So not bad. I feel like I'm really planning a lot more. So I gotta, Look at us. I know. Right? <laughs> so organized. Are we aging, or just maybe things are happening? You also have it for like I feel like you have like a wedding to go to. Like there's things planned that are there's your anchors. reasons. Yeah. yeah. When it, when there's yeah, anchors, yeah. I give you permission for that. Like there there will come <laughs> reasons for it. So all right, reading question number one. No idea what it is. So Jeff, what is one skill or hobby you developed during your nomadic life that you didn't expect to pursue? Ooh. Oh, okay. I've got one. It's got to come with a disclaimer, I guess. Okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, I started really getting into psychedelics as when I became a digital nomad. Let me just throw it out there. We do not condone or recommend <laughs> doing psychedelics. Uh, you need to look into your local laws and speak with your doctor first before doing any sense. Those are good okay. disclaimers. I feel good about that. <laughs> Pretty solid, right? All right, now that that's out of the way. Uh, yeah, I, I discovered them first time was ayahuasca, and we still need to do that. We still need yeah. to talk about you ayahuasca. Yeah, you and I did that together for the first time, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So we did that in Bolivia, and that was my first true experience with psychedelics. And really? of course, they just jump right into... Yeah, I was just jumped right into the ocean on that one. Yeah, I don't even think about that as a psych. Like, I don't think about that. Oh, it's a hundred percent. I mean, it is, but it's. I don't think about it as like a psychedelic, you know? Because I feel like there's mm. so many. Sometimes it's like outwardly psychedelic. Sometimes it's inwardly mm-hmm. other things. So yeah, but I'll I'll take it. I'll take it. Yeah, that was my first foray into that, and then since <laughs> then I've like really kind of experimented with a lot of different psychedelics. I've done a lot of research into it. I've watched a lot of documentaries on it. It's really, really interesting because it can be used in so many different ways. Like they are doing a lot of really interesting stuff in a lot of different categories. So for one, they're doing research into it for uh, people with mental health disorders, yeah. specifically like PTSD, they're they're giving it to war veterans. Yeah. And these people with like 20 years of PTSD on meds, taking therapy, they're yeah. sending people in and they're doing psychedelic treatment and they're like cured of PTSD after like three yeah. sessions. Yeah. Like gone. 100% yeah. gone. It's mind blowing. They're doing it for, they're doing psilocybin mushrooms for people that are, they've got like cancer, they're not going to make it and they're helping them like accept death and it's like working. People mm. are approaching the rest of their life in a whole new way without fear. Yeah. Like yeah. They're doing a lot of really interesting stuff. There's And there's also for productivity. They're also using uh, mm-hmm. psilocybin mushrooms in microdoses for productivity. I do that. I've talked about that yeah. on this podcast with Rob before. Yeah. So you can go like and creativity two different, too. Yeah, totally. You can go two different ends of the spectrum. It's a weird yeah. it's a weird plant, uh, fungus where if you take 
up to a certain point, you will have like increased energy, focus, creativity, and productivity. Yeah. When you cross that point, you start like you get the opposite effect. You start getting into <laughs> you start getting into the spiritual realm, and then yeah. you will not be productive or creative. Well, you yeah. might be creative, but you will not be productive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, and then there's also the recreational aspect to it. There's a lot of um, yeah, I've I've seen some of the most beautiful things in my life uh, on psychedelics, just like and experiences music that's just like you feel in your bones and in your soul and you like the visual things that you see, the, the colors that pop on things like you, it's a really interesting thing because it just connects it's synesthesia. So it connects different parts of your brain that uh, don't usually talk together. So sound and like uh, visuals will connect. And all of a sudden that's why you hear people say things like, Oh, I'm tasting colors or I'm, I'm feeling sounds because it's, it's not because, of some crazy mystical thing. It's connecting parts of your brain that don't talk together. And that's, that's why it's healing a lot of people because it causes neuroplasticity, creates new pathways, makes you approach things differently. Yeah. And helps process parts of your brain as well. Like that are just laying there and that goes more to like the traumatic side or things you haven't dealt with emotionally can actually process and, and leave your body in ways that they kind of get trapped and stuck. Yeah. Actually for the PTSD thing, they're giving to war veterans, uh, MDMA, and what it does is it allows them to view those experiences objectively without the fear and the pain. And it lets them relive it in a safe environment. And then once they're able to process it like that, they can move past it. But they have to go through it in an environment that works, you know. I'm obsessed with it. I feel like you and I could probably go on forever and ever and ever. We, we won't do that just on this topic. But I also, like, so strongly believe in everything you're saying here. have also, yeah, I didn't expect travel to, like, open up this side of the world to me. And I don't know, maybe it's just, like, you kind of try different things and do different things when you're in a different environment. Like, if you're in a different country and meeting new people and doing new things, you sort of start to, like, um, experiment and try things that maybe you just had, would be a hard no to or just hadn't thought about or hadn't been exposed to or had the opportunity to do in other places. Um, so I love that about tra- like about digital nomad life. It brings so many unexpected things. And I have a lot of other travel friends and people who were like terrified of doing um, psychedelics or drugs or, or I say, you know, anything kind of in this world that we're saying, it's like, you know, they are, mushrooms are natural. Like it's, it is inherit like to the to the ground to the earth and a lot of people are so afraid of it and since being exposed to more people who have done it not just you know purely like recreational or at clubs or whatever to you know it's like to for self-development for learning for healing I know a lot of people have been exposed to it and tried it for that reason and have had just like mind-blowing experiences and improvements in their life because of it so it's one of those unexpected you know there's so many we that wasn't one we talked about we did a whole episode on like unexpected benefits of nomad life but that i don't even think we we talked about that one so i love i love this question it's not at all where i thought you were mm-hmm. gonna go it's like what's a skill or hobby you're like well it's like it's kind of a hobby yeah <laughs> I, I thought about it for a second i was like no nah, that one a little bit i'm like no this one really did come through yeah yeah it's interesting 
Yeah, it's a cool reason why. And for anyone interested, I just want to throw out a book recommendation if maybe this is like brand new to you. I don't know if you've read this, Jeff, of How to Change Your Mind by Michael Pollan. Have you read that one? I watched his docu-series on that. Yeah. On all the different, yeah, it's, he's great. It's a good place to start of kind of like it gives you more like science-y, but also the sort of like qualitative healing. But if you're curious, if this is brand new to you and you just want to learn more, I feel like it's a really good starting point for also that. Also Fantastic Fungi. Yeah, it's a, docu- a good one. It's a really, even if you're not into this stuff, it's just really beautiful. It's a really, yeah. really good, well done documentary. Yeah, talks about this kind of stuff, and yeah, just to to, to get on that point, like we, I this was discovered through traveling with groups and just exposure to this kind of thing and yeah a lot of people see these things like lsd and mushrooms they hear that and go oh my god hard drugs right well it's a hard drug because you haven't done it like it's, <laughs> that's why it's a hard drug alcohol is a hard drug that's a really, right that's a ru- well, what's your definition of hard here yeah what's your definition of hard my definition of of a hard drug is like detrimental to yourself and your environment mm, yeah alcohol is fits that bill yeah like to a t cocaine those kind of drugs fit that bill right. to a t these are right. like mind expanding types of yeah. things these are not what i would consider hard drugs you can have intense experiences yes but it's not gonna ruin your body again disclaimers <laughs> we're not doctors we're not yeah. legal advice do yeah. not take anything from us ever <laughs> yeah exactly but exactly. yes i do think i love that that i mean part of that question was that, that you didn't uh, expect to pursue so that was yeah, new and totally unexpected yeah and i remember i remember your fear going into ayahuasca <laughs> yeah. you were like i don't know i'm terrified to do this what if i get stuck in it whatever and it was it was so healing for you for me for all yeah. of it i was excited but yeah i've definitely explored more of this side of 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 life and of the world since traveling for sure so what a fun answer. Wasn't expecting to go yeah. here. Yeah. On that note, enjoy Costa Rica. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Oh, Good well. <laughs> spot. <laughs> think about it. All right. Uh, okay. Number two, coming to you. Describe a moment when you experienced a major win, like as it relates directly to digital nomad lifestyle. Yes. The first one, I'm sure this could go in many directions, as, as did your question number one, which I love. But the first, we have our rule. If you're, if you're new to Beach Commute podcast here, Jeff and I always have a rule of whatever comes to our mind first is usually the right answer, like that gut answer that we should share. Sometimes you don't know why. You're like, I don't know if I thought about this for a while. It's not what I'd necessarily choose. But the first thing that came to my mind for a major win with the digital nomad lifestyle was actually stopping my goal to get to every single country. You'll probably remember this part of of my journey. So it's an interesting one because as I think more of it, my major win probably would have been just like getting there for the first time, like that first month long in Bali where I just, I did it. Like that probably is the biggest win if I took time to think, but I, I did have a goal after I started traveling and started traveling a bunch. I was like, I just want to get to every single country. So there's 197 countries in the world. Um, I think I've been to something like 78 or something now, which is like a hefty chunk. But I found myself, this was probably two to three years into my digital nomad lifestyle where I was just like on a mission, like I was a country counter, you know what I mean? And um, I ended up going to, yeah, like collecting stamps. And I found through this, and there's plenty of people who are pursuing like to get to all 197 countries. It's a, it's a lofty goal and it's it's amazing. And I've talked to a lot of people who have done it as well or in the process of doing that. And it kind of starts to turn your travel into, at least in my experience and other people as well, where I was ending up going to destinations that I wasn't super excited about or like maybe I was tired and would have, or like loving a destination that I 
you know, would have really enjoyed staying at for several more weeks or slowed down and worked harder or longer or whatever I was doing. And I was like, okay, but I'm near these six countries. And if I just keep going, like I can check all of these off. And so the moment that comes to mind when I really switched my mindset with this was um, I was living for a month in Bulgaria, which I, I normally don't love Europe as a whole compared to other destinations in the world. That's me personally. Um, but I was really enjoying Bulgaria and I was with um, a partner at the time and we were like, all right, we could go spend the next two months like island hopping in Greece, which is right, you know, it's like a drive from Bulgaria. Or there was like a whole road trip. I have countries I hadn't been, you know, I hadn't been to like Latvia, Estonia, Lithuania, um, Slovakia. Like there was a handful um, of countries I hadn't been. And because I was on this country counting mission, I went that route. We did a road trip through all of these Eastern European countries And to be fair, like with anything, I think you learn new things in new countries. Maybe you end up loving a country that you never imagined, you know, you wouldn't have gone to otherwise. Like there's lots of benefits to it. You meet new people, all the things. But as I look back on that moment, I was like, I think I really would have enjoyed that two months island hopping in Greece more than the road trip that I did. And again, we look back at that and we're like, there were some hysterical times. It was fun. I learned a lot. I've been to places I wouldn't have gotten to. But that was the moment where I was like, you know what? I would rather listen to my gut and say, I want to go back to Bali or spend two more months in Playa del Carmen and chill where I love and have friends versus like just go to, I don't know, like some country I I haven't been to simply to check the box or to like move around three days faster than, you know, like quick, quick, quick just to get to new places. So that was me personally and everybody's different and I still would love, like, in the back of my mind, I'm like, I would love to get to every country, but, like, maybe it's for an invitation for a wedding somewhere that in a new country I haven't been to, or I just have the time or it makes sense, but not going just just to check off a country is was kind of, like, a big win for me. I can that. see that as kind of a, I mean, it is kind of an accomplishment, so it yeah. can get... I can see that as being addicting. And you get a stamp, yeah. too. It makes it <laughs> And the stamps become a pain in the ass, actually. <laughs> I know. I just got a People new. Want I just got yeah. two new passports. Yeah, because your your pass your passports fill up, and yeah, but yeah, and that's the stamps become less fun, especially when you have to get visas that are a whole page. But exactly. Yeah, I, yeah, I um, I guess I've I've had that in the back of my mind. Every now and then, I look and go, oh, I wish I'd seen more countries, but I still never been enough for me to like really bounce around a ton. Yeah, it's just I've I've always just kind of been a slow mad i guess just, <laughs> you started yeah. slow mad yeah and i go back to places a lot too so yeah i'm glad you answered that one because that answer it's a lot different for me it's, it's just in perspective do you sell yeah. do you see yourself going back to that high pace travel again or you think you're oh, pretty much done with it? i mean for now i've reached a point for whatever reason this year like and in moving into next year i'm go i want to be a lot slower i feel like for whatever yeah. reason i've changed i'm like i don't want to bounce around everywhere new just to go i'm like i just want to like relax a little more stay places longer mm-hmm. i think me you and diego all kind of you've you've been a little bit like you've been there longer than i have already but I feel like the three of us are all kind of at that stage now but this is like eight years into travel so I'm a, I feel like I'm letting myself sort of go through phases. And I, I think, you know, maybe if I did that for the next two, three years, maybe after that, I'd be like refreshed and ready and like, give me those new countries again. So I think that is inherently in me and I'm sure I will get back to that. But for like short, I say short term, you know, the next year or so, I do at least imagine like really slowing down and just like maybe just chilling and like 
Costa Rica and Mexico and the U.S. for a little bit instead of, like, popping over to, like, Africa and then Asia and then Europe and then here and there and um but I'm I'm sure I will get back to that like ex- more exploratory phase at some point. You know what we should do is a podcast on the top X destinations to slow map. Yeah, it was an interesting win for me that I didn't like I would have thought the win would have been like I've reached all 197 countries but for me it's actually, I think it's applicable to, like, it's taught me a lot in life in general. You know, I feel like there's people who just chase achievements of, like, must run 30 marathons or do that. And it's like, that in itself isn't bad. Maybe you genuinely want to do that. But when it becomes, like, you, it's a should or I'm doing it and not enjoying it, even if it's hard, like, there's times where you want to push yourself and be hard. But it really taught me a lot just, like, in life in general of, like, not pursuing goals just for an outward number or achievement or to say I've done something and just genuinely being like, what do, what do I intuitively feel like doing? And that was like, I think that's why it was a bigger win for me was just being able to listen to that for myself and not look for like external achievements in any way. So yeah, I think a lot of learnings from nomad life apply to all parts of life. All right. So number three, Jeff, let's see what it is. Okay. <laughs> Have you encountered a language barrier that led <laughs> led to a humorous or memorable situation during your travels? Oh, you know what? Uh, <laughs> yeah, we talked about this one. <laughs> it was Which kind one? of like in, in passing, but it wasn't. Um, do you remember when I was asking for something? I can't remember what it was. It was in Bolivia. The flute. Asked, the flute, yeah. But what was I actually? Oh. I was asking for... Uh, a knife or something for wood whittling i think you wanted yeah. to yes uh, a yeah. knife to whittle wood is what you wanted to do <laughs> i think what i yeah i think what i wanted was i wanted to figure out how to get a piece of wood so that i could whittle it because i a little background for the audience like I, <laughs> Jeff's a I occasionally whittle wood like i like make little figurines caricatures things like that um i make jewelry sometimes too and I wanted to do that. It's like an easy thing to do anywhere. You just pick up a piece of stick and like a knife and you just start carving stuff. But I was in Bolivia and I didn't have any of my stuff with me. So I actually asked, um, do you remember his name? I don't remember his name. Uh, he was working and living at, he works and lives at uh, Diego's house in Bolivia. And I was trying to ask him how to get a stick or a piece of wood. And he interpreted it as, well, he didn't interpret it. I said, because <laughs> I... My Spanish was terrible. I was like, yeah, as um, I wanted a flute. And so he <laughs> left that conversation thinking that I was looking for a flute. And so he, like, I think he did some research or something. And then he ended up getting back to me with, like, tracking down some leads on flutes or something. Wait, I, I think that he told like? Diego. And Diego, like, like was, like, the middleman interpreter. And was like, Jeff, yeah. do you want, are you looking for a flute? Like, it became, like, it, the yeah. inside joke where I feel like we are just, like, crying tears of laughter of this man who was, like, trying to search for a flute for Jeff. you imagine Jeff? the confusion that he <laughs> like, had? When <laughs> yes. Do you mind just getting me a flute, please? <laughs> Ringo comes in and asks for flutes. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah, no, that was... That, I guess that was, uh, I mean, I've, you run into language barriers all the time, constantly, but that was like the one that sticks out is like, oh, that's kind of ridiculous. That was, <laughs> I feel like it with... definitely fits a humorous and maybe because I feel like it was like, it's one of those things that was like funnier mm-hmm. when you were there too. Like it just, it yeah. was hysterical in the moment. I feel like Diego trying to like be the middleman between it was like, what is going mm-hmm. on here? But that's a good one. A lot of people have a fear though that like, 
if you can't speak the, you know, we go plenty yeah. of places where like, you know, we each know, you know, more Spanish now, but I know, mm-hmm. you know, I know a little bit of Spanish, but a lot of people do have that fear. Like they're going to embarrass themselves or not be able to do something yeah. or something's going to go horribly wrong with languages. But as a whole, like from that, if that's the most embarrassing thing is like you've asked for a flute. Um, <laughs> but what would you say to someone who like is nervous about not speaking the language going somewhere? Oh, I, th- I think you're going to be surprised um, how many places do speak English. I think um, in my experience, the least that I find is in south and central america i feel like there's less english there um just like more spanish dominant but you can i think you can work out spanish most people can work out spanish fairly easily um north american speaking right like coming from europe maybe not so much um but in any case if you can't speak the language you can use google translate i mean there's google translate the app i would recommend getting because you can Mm -hmm. type things in and it'll translate it and you just show it to people and that mm-hmm. works just as fine. Yeah. You can also do the audio. I think the audio version too, right? Like you can speak yeah, into it. Yeah, you can just speak into it and it translates in words for them yeah. or, or audio for them to hear. And and that'll work just fine. So like, I think you'd probably find that in Latin America the most. Um, Europe, I found that almost most people do speak English. I would say a little bit less so in Eastern, Eastern Europe. Like when I was yeah. in Armenia... And Armenia, like, once you start getting outside the major city center, it's like, yeah, you're yeah. using Google Translate. They have no idea what you're saying. And, yeah, yeah you will you will need it. So, um, yeah, for yeah, those concerns. Yeah, it's like in small towns and places. But, yeah, I think about there was a moment, and, like, I was driving through Serbia with a friend, like, in the middle of nowhere, small towns where, like, literally no one spoke English, and we had a flat tire and had to use Google Translate to be like, please help us. Like, how do I change my tire? Like, where do I get to the tire store? Like, I don't know how to say that in Serbian, you know, but it's like that, that was memorable. I won't forget like those Google translate times trying to figure that out, but it's definitely doable. So yeah, that's a, it's, it's definitely not, it shouldn't be anything that holds anybody back. That's for sure. Next one up for you, uh, share an experience where you've had to overcome your fear or hesitation to try something new while living as a digital nomad. Fear or hesitation trying something new? Okay, well, the very first thing that came to my mind, maybe because it's top of mind with us, but that was ayahuasca. I mm. feel like I didn't really have a fear. I don't know if that's fair to say, a big fear or hesitation, but it was it was something new, and it was still, like, a big thing to do. Like, I feel like mm-hmm. before we had done it, it was, like, I had to do a lot of research. We had to figure out, like, what can we eat or not beforehand? What do we do to prepare? Like, where do we yeah. go? What do we do that day? Like, it was... A lot of unknowns like, with that A one. lot of... Yeah. yeah, I would say it was more un- unknown. I was excited. I had wanted to do mm. it for a while, and I was, like, pretty pumped. Uh, to me, I remember telling you, I was like, it feels like Christmas, like, like Christmas mm. Eve. Like, what am I going to learn from... Like, I couldn't wait to do it to... Mm to figure out like even though it's hard but I would say that was still kind of like a thing that was like it was it was a lot to do and can't um, wait to throw up in a pitch black cave <laughs> 30 not? degree weather yeah it sounds to be fair I didn't know it'd be so cold or that we'd be in a pitch black cave there was there was a lot of things I like I live by blissful ignorance I feel like other people who do it like mm-hmm. research absolutely everything and know the worst case scenarios and all the fears and like exactly what they're getting into and what it looks like there I was just like I don't know our friend like we had several other people through Wi-Fi try, like friends of friends who had done it in this location. So I was just like, I don't know, they had a good experience. Like, I'm down, let's do it. So, um, but yeah, that was the first thing. I'm sure there's so many more of things that I've, yeah. I, honestly, like 
I don't know, trying something new while living as a nomad. I think just becoming a, a nomad was like the big thing that was mm. like, just not, I would say the big, like just not knowing anyone living this life and just being like, all mm. right, I'm going to go fly to Asia and stay for a few months and hopefully meet yeah. some people. <laughs> and like, I think the biggest thing was doing that, just like living abroad and, and realizing mm. you could do it. But I don't know. I don't have many fears yeah. or hesitations. When I decide I want to do something, I'm just kind of like, all right, here we go. <laughs> What yeah, about, same. I don't know. Does it come to mind for you? When I think back, uh, yeah, same thing. When I think back, I, I first started, I guess, traveling and working was six mm-hmm. years ago this month. And I was just like, I'm going to go live in another city and work from there and see what happens. Yeah. And like it didn't, it was new. It yeah. was like, uh, it was a lot of unknowns, but I don't think it was a fear to overcome. It was just, okay, it's, you just kind of go step by step. All right, yeah. I'm going to book a book a spot figure out how to get there um get there figure out where <laughs> to eat how to shop and it's like it's just, if you just break it down into step-by-step chunks it's it's actually not very hard and yeah. then after that i guess my i kind of just didn't do that for a while and then my first chapter was almost five years ago and that was just like yeah it was in a place i'd already been it was just book a flight and then live <laughs> there's yeah. a lot to it so yeah no i don't i don't think there's a ton of fear it's just a lot of unknown for yeah that's part and you just do it yeah that's the same I thing agree. like if i want to do something i just go do it same it. yeah there's too yeah. i feel like even something like maybe like scuba diving for me it was like okay i've never breathed underwater before can i do this how do i do it what is something you know that was like there's so many fears of things can go wrong it's like there's lots of things like that but yeah overall i would say the biggest one was just like fear of booking a flight and, and not knowing anyone and just doing it anyway and then continuing to do that for years and years and years and years. I don't know. It's just been wild. But yeah, that was that's for that one. Okay. Number five, Jeff, if you could give one piece of advice to someone considering the digital nomad lifestyle, like so what would it be and and why is it essential? Uh one piece of it only one piece of advice. Oh man. <laughs> so, sometimes harder coming up with just one thing yeah. than it is a list of things. So this is assuming somebody that hasn't been a digital nomad mm-hmm. before. They're just coming into it, want to be one. Yeah. I think it would just be an extension of what I was just saying is the biggest I th- I think there's so many fears of the unknown that come with it. I would just say think of it as just small little things to do. Just like a couple checklists. Um, the hardest thing is booking that flight. Just, all right. So I, actually, maybe I'd do it in a different order. I'd say find a place. Uh, find the location that you want to go to. Listen to some of our old podcasts where we talk about starter locations. I'd probably start in a starter location. Pick a spot. Find a place to live. So if you're not doing a co-living situation, like if you're not doing Wi-Fi Tribe, um, you're just going to book a place and you're going to do it on your own. I would, yeah, pick one of the starter locations, find it in our podcast, uh, find a spot to live. I would make it simple. Just go on probably you do hotels.com or booking.com. You're going to find very similar types of results. Find a place on there or Airbnb, uh, and then buy a ticket. That's kind of it. And then there's really nothing else to prepare for because all your plans are going to change anyways. You know, it's, it's all going to, it's just kind of learn as you go. Like I, I could say, oh yeah, plan out your first week, figure out where all the gyms are and stuff. 
probably going to get there and you're going to walk by that gym and be like, eh, I don't really like that one. You're probably going to walk by the grocery store you researched and be like, mm, I found a better one. So I, I think part of the fun of it is just working through it, going through the challenges and then figuring it out as you go. Right. Yeah. But the really the only things you have to do is you have to people think this is big monumental thing. I, my mom's a good example. She thinks it's so terrifying. All you have to do is buy a ticket, go through security and then sit and wait for six hours. <laughs> That's it. All you have to do is sit and then you have to get it and then you get a taxi. It's just step by step, tiny little things right. that add up to a big thing. So just, yeah, if I boiled down to a sentence is just take step by step actions and it adds up to one big thing. Yeah. And then when you realize it, when you get there, it's not a big thing. Yeah. Really I think a lot of it is a prep beforehand as well, too. Of saying, like, what do I do? Like, do mm-hmm. I rent out my place? Do I keep my stuff? Do I sell my everything? Do I pack it up? Like, there's a lot of those things before even getting to that place, too. Getting the remote job, like making sure you can travel, you have an income, all of that. But it, as Jeff said, well, we've I think talked about that too. Just do a trial. It's all still, yeah. Do a yeah. little trial. Do it for a month. Just, do little step by step things. Yeah, just hop out there for three, four weeks or something. And yeah, just give it a go. See if see if you like it. I yeah. mean, yeah, it, it can't hurt. To just you probably should. Just go yeah. out there and see if you, you will. You probably, I mean, you probably yeah. get addicted to it like we did. Yeah. Yeah. When you think about it with like from a low risk perspective, yeah, it can't can't hurt at all yeah worst case scenario like it's not for me and i had a four week life like lifelong experience you could talk about yeah i think that the like something i've learned from nomad life is it just gives you the confidence to figure anything out as you go and i think like there is so much you know you can try to plan for some but there's going to be barriers that you didn't realize or didn't know and it's just kind of like you get to the airport and you're like oh i don't have a working phone that might have been nice before i could have prepared for that but also you're like okay I'm going to connect to Wi-Fi in this airport. I'm going to ask someone for help. I'm going to do X, Y, and Z. Like, there's just, I think part of travel is just realizing that you as a person can figure anything out as you go. And yes, yes, sometimes there's there's times where I wish I would have done a little something beforehand. I could have known more, prepared more. But it's also, as, as Jeff said, it's like, as a coach, I would say with anything, it's like breaking it down into smaller chunks. Like, it feels really big, like a big cloud of just like, I have to become a nomad, right? Like that's a huge, big thing. But if it's like, okay, I just need to pick a country and just, then I need to just book a flight and then I just need to book a place. And then I just need to, it's like, you just think about it as little things sequentially. It just, it's like, don't worry about 30 steps ahead. Just, just keep looking at like, what's the one next step you have to do. Yeah, exactly. Just step by step. It's easy. It's like, you don't jump <laughs> up a ladder. You just climb. It's a piece of cake. Jump up a ladder. <laughs> yeah. All right. uh, Number six is yours. And it is if you had to choose between a stable location, uh, a stable comma location, independent job or uncertain but adventurous entrepreneurial pursuit, what would you pick? I guess that one's a pretty easy answer. I know. Well, honestly, it's like what would I do or what would someone do? Say this again. What would you do? What would you do? So either like a stable location, (laughs) like a digital nomad job, right? Or yep. uncertain but adventurous entrepreneurial pursuits. Well, I know your answer. Known where we are ex- based on explain, that. Yeah. Explain why. Explain why maybe. So I think this. I mean, and I coach people through this all the time as mm-hmm. well. And for me, it, like I said, ignorance was bliss when we first when I when I first started this. So I quit like the very big corporate stable job at Pepsi. Like I feel like the biggest kind of type of stable company for the most part that you can do. 
And um, I also, to be fair, when I made this decision, like many nomads, I read, so I'd read The 4-Hour Workweek by Tim Ferriss, which I know how you feel about Tim Ferriss. <laughs> but um, if you talk to, I feel like of our generation of nomads, like may, I think people find out about it other ways now because like Instagram didn't really exist in the same way back then. TikTok wasn't a thing. Like there wasn't all these viral travelers and bloggers back when I, back when I started this, I'm like back in my day. So I learned about it through that, and the way he explained it in that book, it was pretty much like the only way that I knew of to have the freedom and flexibility to travel the world and be a nomad was to start my own business. Like, I just didn't know that I could do it by working for, like, a normal company. I say, like, by working, being an employee for a company. I didn't know that at the time. So I think had I known that was a thing... I think I would have used that as, as a ladder, like as a stepping stone to have that stable income. And like, cause I had some hard years. I mean, I'd say I had three, four years from four years from the time I read that book and knew I wanted to live as a digital nomad to the time when my business, like I'd quit my job, like by the time I got the courage, like two years later to quit my, you know, nice, cushy, stable corporate job to start my own business. And then for that business to become profitable enough that I could travel the world while doing so. So that was four years. So like I could have saved myself those four years and just started with a job that would have let me travel if I could rewind time. And and that was an option. Like internet wasn't really the same back then. Companies weren't doing this. Like I'm sure some people were, I just didn't know of it. So anyway, as it's not what I did, but that's how I would do it now and then start. But I also love the entrepreneurial life and like what was what was it framed as the uh it's like a stable location independent job or what was the entrepreneurial version there was like some adjectives with it yeah it was adventurous adventurous uncertain Uncertain. yeah so i live for that now like i think i've Mm -hmm. done several businesses of that Um, my coaching you know being a career coach to start I don't think that's less of like a big business, but just some one-on-one sort of like coaching that I did for a lot of years in the career space. Um, but Beach Commute to me is the is the essence of that sort of like unknown, adventurous, wild west that like I do, you know, with you and Diego and like I love it the most of anything. So I think that's inherently like what I love and who I am and what I will always do. But if I could redo it and I, a lot of the coaching I do with my clients is like, have that, I call it like a bridge job, which is have that steady, stable income. So you're not wor- like, you don't have to worry where your next dollar is coming from. Like you feel pretty secure. You know, you're going to get a paycheck in two weeks while you're, you know, in Europe or the Middle East or wherever, and then use that to your spare time, like to start your side hustle and kind of explore things, try things, do things, learn things, and then ease into that as you start to see like it sort of become profitable. So that's what I would have done had I known, but I was just like, jumped into the deep end, quit every part of my life, like moved back home with my parents to start this business. Like it was fucking hard. So I, I might do it a little differently. But anyway, that that was why I did that and why I would do it differently if I you know knew everything I know today. But what about you? Yeah, I, I think I, I guess I did it that way that you were talking about. <laughs> Maybe ideally doing it. I mean, I started this thing off working for um, medium sized organizations and it was uh, it was very stable. Um, I was making a really good income. And so it was, it was a really easy transition for me to becoming entrepreneur. Um, and then again, mostly 
here focusing on beach commute. I do, as you guys know, I do SEO stuff as well for some clients. I love that part of me and it's never going to go away no matter what. But yeah, there's a reason why I <laughs> went into this pursuit. Yeah, it's it's more, what were some of these adjectives again? It was uncertain and adventurous. Adventurous and uncertain. It is, but I don't like working for anybody. Like yeah. I, I don't like somebody telling me to log in at 8 a.m. Like, <laughs> no. why? Why yeah. 8 a.m.? Why not 6 a.m.? Why not 11 a.m.? Like, why yeah. Why these forced, contained producti- productivity hours? Like, right. you know, it, it doesn't work that way. Like, you know, yeah. every job, and we talked about this last time, should be, like, uh, value-based. It should be, like, it should be what you put out. Yeah. And if you're just sitting at a at a laptop for eight hours when you're not feeling like in the right zone to get stuff done and be productive you're just sitting there wasting your life you know i don't want to do that so it's uh for me yeah i like uh i like being able to pick and choose things i work on times i work on things uh yeah it it, it just works the best for me so you and diego helped me get to that point (laughs) because it was uh it was a lot of fear and i'm sure there's a lot of you listening out there now they do have that fear and in going into it. So yeah, if you are, Marissa has great advice. If you're looking into this digital nomad life, maybe like a soft landing into it, stick with yeah. what you're doing for a little bit. And then if that feels like the right move down the road, um, yeah, do it. Absolutely. And I don't regret it. I, you know, everything works out for me. I'm not going to go back and work for somebody right. again. I don't want to. Right. And it's interesting. We've talked a lot. I feel like we talked a lot about this in the beginning of our, not the beginning of this podcast, like episodes kind of like one and two, mm-hmm. maybe even of the podcast, but there's different, like we think about the, the different ways you can make money as an, you know, make an income as a, as a nomad. You There's kind of like a, a ladder of freedom that we keep stepping up. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's like you start, as an employee working just like those are the remote jobs that we send out, um, you know, on a weekly basis to everyone and have a membership where you can get even more of those every day. Um, and the reason we do that is because it's, it's the fastest, the easiest and the most reliable way to make that income to start nomad life. So like I said, it took me four years. And even once I quit my job, like really two years to become profitable where I couldn't travel and wanted to. So when Mm -hmm. we say that it's like, we, I think, we chose to to help people find these remote jobs in this way because the freedom to be anywhere is like the biggest start to me, right? Like you can travel the world while you mm-hmm. still have a job and still making an income. And then you might still want to keep pursuing that ladder of freedom, which is then to say, okay, now I want a job maybe where I don't have to work certain hours, but maybe I'm still working for someone else for a paycheck. And then maybe mm-hmm. I'll become a freelancer and start to learn something new, spend, you know, but it's your time for hours. And then you jump to like, the biggest, you know, the hardest part of all, which is creating a profitable company where maybe, you know, eventually you can spend less and less time and you have more freedom doing what you want, when you want, how you want to do it, getting more passive income. It's sort of that ladder you work up towards, in, in my opinion. So when it comes to nomad life, I think getting a remote job with an existing company, it just allows you to get there quicker to start living nomad life. And then I think, you know, people want to keep pursuing, like, how do you get more? The goal is like, how do you get more and more and more free? And that's what we want to help everyone with. It's just like becoming, yeah, more free to be something. I read something recently, a quote I loved, which is like, people want to be, it's like, you want to be where you want, when you want, with who you want, doing what you want. You know, it's like all, all the W's, right? That's the ultimate freedom. And it's sort of like you kind of work your way up the chain to do that. It's been a journey. <laughs> yeah, it's been a journey. <laughs> but it has been a journey to get here. And I think I think that's a message I would share with people as well. Whereas, like, 
I think there's so many messages on social media today in general that's just like, I started this and I became a millionaire overnight and I'm making $10 million per day overnight. And yeah, it's a lot of get rich quick. And it feels like I'm not, you know, a lot of people feel like, you know, you're not successful if you haven't reached that yet, or you maybe you've tried one little thing and you failed or whatever it might be. And so the message that I've, you know, seen time and time again, sometimes you do have those over, it seems like overnight success, but it's people who for seven years are like, I tried this and that didn't work and I tried this and that didn't work. So I got a full-time job and then I started traveling and then I did this and I tried a few things and then, oh, and, and then I met someone and then this thing took off or whatever it is. So if that sounds like you and you're seeing like these overnight successes of, you know, influencers or entrepreneurs, it doesn't have to be that to start, like start with a remote job, get that bridge, get the freedom, start traveling and then start exploring those, you know, the side hustles and the side businesses and, and then, you know, keep keep searching for that freedom, but don't, it's like not all or nothing. I think people, you know, sometimes it's easy to forget that, like take the little steps along the way. So as Jeff said, don't, you, you might not jump to the top of the ladder, but like just keep taking the steps of freedom, like one at a time. Yeah. Each one's fun too. It's not like a job. It's not like every one of these, like when you look at locations that you want to go to, just getting back to like starting out your digital nomad journey, that's kind of fun. Like, <laughs> I want to go to a beach. I want to go to a Hooray. city look at pictures of it i mean just hop on google images and be like yeah feel it it's like oh wow i could be there that's that's a lot of fun yeah so treat each one of them as kind of fun like and then you book your flight how do i get a good deal we just did a podcast on that that's kind of fun too it's a little bit of a game (laughs) how do i get a better seat that's kind of a game too so yeah yeah, just challenge yourself that's 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 really good advice i love that so i think are we are we done with all the questions that's that's it for the questions yeah thank you everybody yeah. So with that, if you enjoyed this episode, if you've listened before or brand new and you enjoyed the, the content that you got today, anything you learned along the way, we'd love if you can give a review. It takes five seconds. If you can just take your phone or whatever platform you're listening on, give it a little thumbs up, subscribe, five stars. If you want to leave a comment, feel free. And otherwise, beachcommute.com slash email. Uh, so you can go there, sign up to get on our email list where we send out to remote jobs or remote companies. Um, every single week that you can do and we've got a membership you can join for more but at the very least you get two and people love getting those emails we sent out info about the podcast so super helpful um anything else jeff oh i think that's it we'll see you next week